Welcome back, everyone, and today we sit down with the legendary Professor Ricardo Almeida, a fifth-degree black belt under Henzo Gracie, a multiple-time national Brazilian champion, Nogi World, and Pan Am champion. He's a school owner and a coach to some of the UFC's most elite fighters. His first fight was completely by chance and under extraordinary circumstances. Hear him share his story, what fighting has taught him about himself, and what he sees when a new fighter walks into the gym. So my first fight, um, I don't think I ever really wanted to do MMA, to be honest. You know, like I've, I've done jiu-jitsu my entire life. Or, you know, I started when I was 15 back in Brazil. And I moved here to the U.S. when I was 20 to teach at Hansel uh, Gracie Academy. They had in Philly. Um, and for sure, you know, growing up or coming up in jiu-jitsu, that's when they had the first couple of UFCs. But, you know, to me it was pretty barbaric. It wasn't so much like a sport as it was a spectacle. It was awesome that we got to see the, um, you know, back then the effectiveness of jiu-jitsu. You know, we saw Hoist Grace. He was a little guy fighting all these other guys and, and as the UFC evolved, we started to get, like, all these athletes, um, you know, wrestlers and, you know, judo guys and, you know, boxers. And it was still a little bit more Schwartz versus more Schwartz. But to me, you know, it was, like, pretty barbaric, to be honest. You know, like, yeah. I never really liked uh, the whole culture of, like, MMA. You know what I mean? Like, you go into a boxing gym and... And everyone's trying to beat each other up and you know guys are like trash talking to each other and you know everyone is just you know it just doesn't seem like super legitimate to me and if you walk into uh jiu-jitsu school is a very different environment you know or even if you walk into a wrestling program i remember the first time i went to a to a wrestling program to a wrestling practice i was like wow like this is how a jiu-jitsu class should be run you know like so much drilling so much movement so much conditioning uh, into a wrestling practice. But anyway, back to fighting. I um, I moved to the U.S. and Hansel was fighting in Japan at uh, in Pride. And his brother, his late brother, Hyan Gracie, had a fight against Sakuraba. It was probably one of the biggest fights back in the day. And, you know, Sakuraba just got inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. He was a, you know, legendary Japanese fighter. And Hyan wanted to go early to Japan to just get used to the time difference. And, you know, it's winter time there. So me, Hyan, and uh, Luca Tala, the editor of Gracie Magazine, we went for a little over two weeks to Tokyo, and, you know, we were there training. Um, Hickson was there at the time, so one day we got to train with Hickson, which was pretty cool. But about three days before the event, uh, this Brazilian guy, Alan Goes, was supposed to fight, and he got hurt, and he had to pull out of the event. And we were there, and... They're like, oh, you know, we're going to bring someone from Brazil. And I can't remember. I think it was Luca. Luca's like, you know, Ricardo, why don't you do it? You're already here. And, you know, Hyan, like, was all behind it. And I'm like, all right, if Hanzo thinks I'm ready, you know, like, just call Hanzo. If Hanzo thinks I'm ready, I'll do it. I don't care. Um, I just loved competing, you know. Like, I loved competing. And, you know, I competed in Brazil a lot in the gi when I came to the U.S., the big-time jiu-jitsu gi competitions weren't around. So I started doing all these, like, super fights in local grappling events. So I will compete against wrestlers, against, like, sambo black belts, against guys from, from other martial arts that the game was so different than jiu-jitsu. So that aspect was super appealing to me. 
and they called Hanzo, and Hanzo was like, oh, so Ricardo wants to do it, just get him in. But this was pride, you know, like, I really, like, I had no idea what I was doing, you know, I was 23 years old, I wasn't, like, you know, my very first fight was at Saitama Arena, which is, I think it was, like, 25,000 people. And, you know, at Pride back in the day, they had this massive production. They introduced all the fighters before. Like, I was so naive that I walked out and I had my, like, uh, T-shirt on. I was like, ah, you think they let me fight with a T-shirt, you know, so I could have, like, a little bit better grip. And, and I'm in there in the ring and, and the referee comes to me, like, take your shirt off. I'm like, no, 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 I want to go with the shirt on. And they're like, no, take your shirt off. I'm like, no, I want to do it with my shirt on. It's okay, no? And I just really didn't know what I was doing. And I really, I ended up winning that fight, but I think it was... I think it was beginner's luck, you know, like, I really, I really think so. I mean, I had the skills from jiu-jitsu, but I had never done, like, any sparring or anything like that. I just kind of, like, I knew how to throw a jab and keep someone off of me. You know, of course, I had takedowns, and I had jiu-jitsu, but I, and the fight ended up being standing the whole time. And it was two 10-minute rounds. This guy was a very experienced Japanese fighter. Um, no weight class, so he was probably, like, 220. I was, like, maybe maybe like 200, you know, so he outweighed me. He was shorter, but like way, way thicker than me. Um, it was fun, you know, now looking back, it was just like a typical, like young guy just being crazy and not knowing what they're getting themselves into, you know. Some people go jump off of like cliffs. Some kids go race cars and, you know, I fought in pride. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I came back to the U.S. and it was right around the time that the... Um, that Zufa bought uh, the UFC. So one day I'm hitting the bag at Henzo's gym, and Dana White walks in with Lorenzo, and they were asking to try to sign Henzo, and Henzo couldn't fight. But I'm like, I got these two guys, I got these two kids, you could sign these two kids. It was me and Matt Serra. So me, me and Matt Serra ended up signing with the UFC. But, you know, if it wasn't for me being in Japan with Henzo's brother, and, you know, just them like kind of pushing me over the edge, I would have never. I would have never, never done MMA. I, I, I loved being around it. I loved, you know, helping the guys get ready for the fights. I cornered hands a couple of times, but I had no, I really, never really had, like, any wish to fight, you know? So I think this is a classic story of you are who you hang around with because you kind of just fell into fighting for pride. Yeah, in Portuguese we say that birds that hang out with bats sleep upside down, so for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing that that was your first. I think you didn't even recognize probably the the sheer grandness of the situation. I mean, I guess you were so used to being around Henzo and that type of lifestyle that it wasn't such a shock for you. Maybe ignorance is bliss in that situation. Yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, everyone that fights or everyone that competes even if you cross over into some other type of competition it's just another competition you know like it's not you're not you know I definitely wasn't sitting there and like oh my gosh it's such a huge arena you know oh my gosh it's it's pride fc or oh my gosh it's it's my first fight ever like it wasn't it was like to me it was just another competition of course it was different rules and and you know there is nothing like fighting MMA, you know, like I think that probably even wrestlers, they wrestle their whole life, you know, for sure. They, they always do so well, but, you know, fighting MMA is just a whole different animal from any other sport. Uh, I mean, you've, you've had plenty of fights, so you know that it's, it's, it's like nothing else. And I wasn't like ready for that aspect, like the whole mental aspect of being in a fist fight with someone that has every skill and will to beat you. 
you know it's yeah. nothing like being a street fight if you will and but yeah for sure it was i wasn't sitting there and thinking oh my you know this is like the biggest thing i've ever done it was just to me another yeah. competition well i feel like you've been conditioned from competing so much same with wrestlers that is a very it's a good background to have you're used to that one-on-one competition but i mean you kind of answered my qu- next question is I always ask wrestlers or people who have had extensive experience in another art if fighting was a smooth transition for them or was it a shock to your system once you got in there did you realize that this isn't like jujitsu this is someone really trying to hurt me yeah so I think that I think when I started fighting and, and you know you I won my first fight and I was like all right like I could do this you know and it wasn't until my second fight that I actually ended up losing a decision. And I fought Matt Lennon, who was a silver medalist in the Olympics. He was a Greco-Roman wrestler. And it was the first time I felt someone, like, outdo me in a competition. Like, I've lost jiu-jitsu matches before, but I've never felt someone be able to control me on the feet and on the ground. And Matt Lennon was, like, suplexing me. He was taking me down. And I couldn't get up when I wanted to, you know, and and... I think that, like your first loss in MMA, like the first time you get your butt kicked and everyone's seen it, I think people do one of two things. You know, they either go back and they realize that it's just a loss that you learn and you get better from it, or you go back and you just kind of soak on it and, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, like I used, you come up with a bunch of excuses where all oh, my coaches didn't teach me this, you know, or I was sick or, you know, my mind wasn't right. and. The moment you open that door with the excuses, like, it only gets bigger, you know? Like, and so it was, you realize that you're not Superman. You realize that you're not unbeatable, you know? Like, everyone thinks they're unbeatable until they go out there and someone just manhandles them or someone knocks them out. And then you have to go back to the drawing board and you have to, like, all right, wow, like, I could lose. Like, I could get dominated. I could get knocked out. There's so many ways that I could lose. It's just, to me, it was a motivator. I just always wanted to be ready. I always wanted to, to go out there and do well just for the, you know, the technical aspect, aspect of it, the mental aspect of it. But I see with a lot of fighters, and especially nowadays, you see these guys, they're athletic, they come in, they're fighting lower-level guys, and they're knocking everyone out, and they're doing really good. And next thing you know, they fight someone with a little more experience, someone who's been around. And they just get manhandled, and then they start making a bunch of excuses, you know. And and I, it, it's tough. It's tough to deal with an MMA loss. You're not. It's not like playing soccer that you get yeah. scored two goals on and you lose. You know. It's very, it's very, it's very tough on your ego First losing an MMA for sure. I always say that. I think it's the hardest part about fighting is you have to be so confident in yourself to do it. I think, but you also have to have an awareness of your limitations and it's hard to balance I think at least for me I had a hard time with setbacks maintaining that confidence in the future and a lot of guys I think are the opposite where they have a hard time being humbled and learning from it going forward without making excuses I always say that you kind of find pieces of yourself in fights and is there a specific moment in a fight that or a memory that you have of a fight where you found something about yourself, learned something about yourself that kind of sticks out over the years? It's been a while. <laughs> My last fight was almost uh, 
be almost 10 years ago now uh, so nine years ago but um you know i remember one fight you always remember all my losses more than i remember my wins you know of course you could talk about your wins but uh, i remember i fought this russian guy no one really knew too much about this guy and you know we started fighting i was feeling really good and i was like i you know i i could finish this guy and i just was super aggressive it was early in my career i was very aggressive i went for all these submissions and I caught him in a bunch of submissions. And he just kept escaping and escaping and escaping. And every time he escaped, we'd get back to our feet. And I'll get hit and i get a little more tired. And I think I lost my mouthpiece. And I had like this real thin mouthpiece. And he hit me and he broke my tooth in half. And the chip of my tooth bit into my lip. And it split my lip. And there was blood like everywhere. And this was it in the first round or the second round. I can't remember. But I remember clearly was just sitting in the stool and feeling like all this blood just you know gushing from my mouth and I was like man like I'm I don't want the referee to come here and see all this blood because you know they may stop the fight there's like a pretty big cut so I just I just kind of sucked my lip in and I, that metallic taste of blood just going into my throat and me just kind of drinking it just to try to give myself a chance to go back into the second round and try to beat this guy and I ended up getting you know, like TKO'd, he punched me and I landed on my knees and the referee come, came in and stopped the fight. But I just remember, like, I, like, not, not giving up. You know, like I'm, like, I'm drinking this blood and I'm just going to give myself a chance to get one more round with this guy. And I think that's what you have to do, you know, like, no matter what bad situation you find yourself in in a fight, like, that desire to win, that, that, that willingness to kind of put your body through whatever pain or whatever discomfort you're going through at the time and just knowing that, that's temporary, but, you know, trying your best, like, that's always going to stick with you, whether the outcome is good or not. I think that's something that I've learned, you know, like, and I've had even worse situations in, in life that I've had to deal with. But just going back to that of just being able to put yourself through pain and discomfort just to try to win, I think that's a, such a huge lesson from fighting. But the moment, that moment of sitting in the stool, you know, drinking like the blood coming from my lips and that metallic taste, like I'll never forget it. You know? <laughs> now, I guess on the opposite end of the spectrum, was there ever a moment where you were disappointed in yourself? Yeah, I think, you know, all the losses, all the wins, you know, like I, I, I've always been very hard on myself, like always thinking that I could do better, you know, like when I got into the sport, you know, it happened by chance, as we already talked about. But as I stayed in the sport, like, I wanted to be the best I can be. I wanted to be a world champion. And every win moves you closer to that goal. And every loss pushes you further from that goal. And I think a lot of the losses, like, I just, like, I, I've held on to them, like, so, to this day, you know, like, I, I hold them, like, close to my chest with, like, a huge sense of, of regret like man maybe if I would have done this different maybe if I would have done that different you know and that's what I try to pass on to the young fighters you know, it's like man like you only get to do this once you know like 10-15 years from now you're gonna be like me you're gonna be looking back like wishing that maybe you would have done more you know like and our guys are awesome you know what I mean like Corey Frankie these guys are some of the hardest working I'll call them kids they're kids to me in a way yeah. you know like if, if they're not kids themselves they're like kind of like my kids they're like my little brothers you know but they work so hard perhaps way harder than I ever did but still like I look back and I'm like man like I, I could have always done more or, or maybe if I if you couldn't have trained harder it's the decision making at the at 
the fight itself, you know. So for sure, I look back with a lot of great lessons, but of, of course, just like everything, you look back with a lot of regret and, you know, things that you wish you would have done different. But I've, I've learned to live with it. It's, it's not something that I, it gets me upset. It's just like, man, like I, I should have done that better, you know, like for well, sure. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. they always say. Especially in fighting, it's always a game of inches, you know. It's always easy to make the right decision after. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So Henzo obviously has been a big influence in your life and your career. What would you say is the most important thing that you took from him? You know, Henzo is a very unique uh, person because on on one side he is probably one of the most giving um, people you ever meet. Like you take the shirt off his back and give it to a stranger you know he's if you meet him he'll make you feel like you've known him your entire life you know like you become your best friend and and everyone loves him for it you know but and and that side is the side that everyone sees but the side that not too many people see is just how how meticulous he's always been with his technique you know like his technique has always been so um so, I don't want to say superior because then it's comparing to everyone else, but just so perfect. You know, like I've to this day, like there's so many things that Hanzo taught me that I hold on to the image of him doing and the feeling of him maybe showing me a guard pass, and I still don't feel like I do it that way. You know, like he Hanzo in all his in all his creativity and in all and his he has this this search for the perfect technique, like the one technique that's gonna solve all problems you know like so he tr- it's kind of like a like a magician or a wizard if you will like f- always finding the the perfect spell to, like to deal with a, turf, a certain situation and that's how he looks at technique you know like there's always a way to catch someone here there's always there's always a better way like no technique is ever perfect like you can always make it better so that aspect of hands with something that i've always held on to you know like there's there's always a way to figure something out like there's always whether it's on the mats or whether, you know, for the guys fighting now, it's, you know, on the tactic side of it, on the strategy side of it. And no one is unbeatable. You can always figure out a way to beat them. A way to beat them. And, and no one technique is uh, deadly. Like, you can always figure out a way to, like, not get caught with a punch or, you know, escape this guy's guillotine or, you know, stop someone's takedown. And I think as far as hands also, those two things, you know, like to always be always treat people nice and always be good to people you know like because he always comes back to you and on the technical side of it too it's not necessarily being a perfectionist but like always seeking a better way like there's there's always a there's an answer to every problem like there's a key to every lock if you work hard enough you can figure it out you know i can definitely see that in your instruction like you've definitely been one of my favorite instructors i've had the privilege of learning from you you're so organized and structured with your thought and your instruction which that's what I learned how I learned striking was a very structured way of learning building from the ground up and that's exactly how you teach jiu-jitsu as well obviously you have a passion for it do you enjoy coaching and instructing more than competing yourself now no I still enjoy competing you know like I, I love competing you know even if it's just you know like a role here that becomes like a little bit competitive you know for not so much for for beating someone outdoing someone but just for the challenge of myself uh definitely 
you know, since I've stopped fighting, I've done a bunch of jiu-jitsu competitions. Like, I won in the Masters Division. Like, I won Nogi Worlds. I've won, like, Nogi PNMs because it's here in New York, you know, multiple times. But it's, like, it's not the same as fighting in the UFC. Yeah. And it's not necessarily the venue. It's, it doesn't matter what I do now. I only get slower and worse. You know what I mean? Like, I'm no longer, well, up until I was fighting, I was always getting better. And I feel like my jiu-jitsu is getting better, but like I could feel the the slowdown in the speed. I could feel that yeah. I don't train nowhere near the same amount of time. So my you know my endurance and my explosiveness, you know, like you know back probably like ten years ago, your husband Corey, I could probably grapple him and just you know put a lot of you know a lot of energy and strength into a grappling round. Now if I grapple with Corey. I have to, you know, it's like I'm grappling with the Hulk. Like, I have to be very (laughs) defensive and and, and play the right cards and, you know, plan almost every movement, you know. So I love competing, but it it definitely has a a very different feel than it did for me as when, you know, I was only a competitor, you know. Uh, As far as coaching, like, I love it, you know. Like, when someone walks in, whether it's, you know, a little kid that just walked in or whether it's, you know, I remember, you know, when I met Corey and the first day that Corey came to New Jersey after the Ultimate Fighter show, the first day that Frankie walked in, the first day I met Eddie, like all these guys, I remember like their very first day. Uh, Frankie, I already knew about Eddie. I already knew about uh, Corey. I knew about the show. So I remember it's like, it's like you're walking into a garage and a brand new sports car is in the garage. You know what I mean? Like, you can't wait to get in and just, you know, put it in first, second, third, and fourth gear and just rev the engine. And somehow it feels like that every time I'm with these, with the kids, with the, with the boys, you know, with the fighters. It's like I feel like I feel like a, like a driver in a way. And they yeah. kind of feel like Ferraris and Lamborghinis and stuff because they could do things that I never could. Yeah. And to be able to guide them through these things. And of course, a lot of their instruction comes from Mark, you know, they train with Nick, like they do all these different instructions, but I, I see them in so much, so much further ahead than they even see themselves, you know, like that. I just, and it takes time. It takes five, six, you know, uh, Corey has been around for what, five, six, seven years. Frank has been around for 10 years. Eddie's been around for, you know, six, seven, eight years. It takes a long time to develop these guys. And I enjoy that process very much. Just like I enjoy with the little kids. You know, there's been little kids that started with me when they were four, five, six years old. And then, you know, they go away for a little bit. They start doing school sports. Then they come back and they train and they become teenagers and they're gone. And then they come back and or sometimes they go to college and then they come back. But to, but I've seen from the little kid all the way up through the UFC champion, it's like a huge spectrum so when I look at a student body, it could be three, four, five hundred people. Like when they come in, like I kind of like, all right, you're here in the spectrum, but like you don't see it yet, but you could go all the way there. You know, like I see, I get so excited for how much people improve over the years and to facilitate that improvement and to, to see the confidence that they get, to see them overcoming like their doubts. Because, you know, even a guy like, you know what I mean? Like, if you ask him, yo, man, like, how is your jiu-jitsu, to be honest? He's, he's not going to be very flattering towards his idea of his grappling uh, as probably he is with his striking and his wrestling. Now, I think that he's come such a long way, and he's gotten so good, especially, like, the last year or so. But sometimes how a fighter sees himself and how us coaches see them 
is different because we're looking at the possibility as well and we've looked how far they've come whereas the fighter you always have the urgency of like how well you do in the training how well you did in the training today or how you think you should be doing that day you know um so to your question like as much as i enjoy um competing like i think that's a part of me that's kind of done like i do it every once in a while I enjoy the training very much. Like I, I was just injured and I couldn't train for a long time. And being back on the mats, like I'm just such a much happier person. Yeah. Like it affects every other area of my life in a positive way. Like I'm, you know, like I'm more focused on like my work and you know my responsibilities. I'm a, I'm a better father. I think I'm a, I think I'm a better significant other. You know, uh, but without a doubt, as far as high level performance to me these days it's 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 the boys and it's and it's playing a small part and helping guide them but for sure like when i see them going out there and some of the incredible things that these guys do like Corey's last big win you know eddie had like a hiccup and then you know he did this crazy sweep to finish with the guy you know like even if they knock someone out like Corey knocked somebody out like there was nothing jujitsu on that fight but you know it's amazing to be a part of it and to see them growing and to see how hard they work for sure it's uh as far as the sport it's one of my main drivers right now so would you say coaching athletes is your calling i think just just coaching you know just helping like i i don't really do much like they do it themselves like they they do all the work i just through the experience and for no other reason than i was around before them like that's the only reason why I get to instruct. Like there's really like, no nothing really special. Like I don't have any secrets. You know, like there's no special sauce or special secrets that we keep, you know, hidden in the in the back at the school. Um, it's like I said. It's like you, you see a little kid come in and they could barely make eye contact with you, and and then you know a couple of months later they high fiving you, look you in the eye, and then a couple of months later uh, you see their skill just go to. Like, I have some, little, like, you know, 10-year-olds here that roll better than the adults, mm-hmm. you know? Like, and it, it's amazing to see. And, and they don't only roll better. Like it's not just their skill that's better. They, they're, you know, they listen better when they're being coached. Like, there's no frustration when they get things wrong. They just go out and they try it again, and, and they just keep improving. Um, and, you know, with the professional fighters, that's a small part of, of what I do. But I think without a doubt... Uh, as far as the high-level performance in jiu-jitsu, it's probably the most exciting, mm-hmm. you know, as well as, you know, some of the guys that go and compete at, you know, Gi Ams and Nogi Worlds. But I think that nowadays I'm less connected to, to that aspect, even though I still have a couple of guys that do it and more connected to the MMA side than, you know, perhaps I've, I've ever been. Yeah. But without a doubt, like, I think my calling is to just use jiu-jitsu to, to interact with people and then just uh you know just help them see a better way i mean that's what i i love about martial arts obviously that the personal development that comes with it i think it makes everyone a better person i love seeing how you can look at a fighter or a student and it's like you're passing along this art to them and you can see in them like mark henry is a boxing coach you're the jiu-jitsu coach you can see how they embody both their styles and you can see in your style that you got from someone else and it's just passed down and down through generations which is pretty cool to, it's like you're like you said you're creating a, a car or a, even a video game character of like all these beautiful 
techniques that would be lost otherwise for sure which is the coolest part about it i mean it's amazing what you're doing and you know passing along the art to more students every day and it's really good seeing someone who is passionate about that and the personal development that comes along with that and you know obviously you're doing it in two different arenas professionally at the highest levels and then the everyday hobbyists which is an amazing thing to do so we appreciate that and i appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing your story anytime thank you so much